Hello, welcome to the fifth episode of the Cellular Cinema Podcast. Tonight we'll be speaking to Sabine Griffa um, about her films, Take It Down, I Have Always Been a Dreamer, and Amarillo Ramp. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe at patreon.com backslash cellular cinema. All proceeds go to our guest artists. Thank you very much. Sabine Grufa, thank you for, for joining us tonight. Um, and uh, so we've seen the work that you shared with us. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and I think actually it's, it is an interesting place to start for me um, to note that you don't just work with film, like, like the pieces that yeah. you shared are all on film, I believe. Um, but then ju- yeah. as you were just saying, you have this whole kind of like VR thing that you're exploring. Um, would you be willing to talk a little bit just about where film is situated in Mm-hmm. in the world of things that you're interested in making art with like how, how you use film and when you use film and those that kind of question so I just you know part of it is the way that I talk about it is um more like I feel like I'm an artist and um I you know I graduated I went to Rhode Island School of Design for film, video, new media, and then I went to the Art Institute. And when I went to Rhode Island School of Design, it was 1994 to 98. And 19, so uh, when I first became a film major, my first film class was a 16 class. And I didn't even, I was actually more interested in painting. Um, and I just ended up at this art school and took this class and just kind of fell in love with it. Uh, and it was black and white, 16 millimeter film. So very similar to photography, but with movement, but it kind of distills it to this essence that um, I think makes film more approachable as a student when you don't have to think about, you know, actors and directing and all this stuff. And you're just, kind of thinking about it in terms of this image and this technology, it kind of, um, I feel like the limitations of the medium allow you to be more creative in a way because it's not, doesn't feel like this endless amount of possibilities, which I think happens with digital, which is like, I could do this, 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 I can get this footage, this footage, this footage, I could shoot myself, I can find it online. Like it's just this endless, you know, possibilities that you don't, that with film, you know, it's, it limits you in a way that's creatively uh, kind of liberta- liberating, right? And um, so I was at school right during that transition from when, when uh, mini DV came out was when I was a senior in undergrad and mini DV was like the first okay looking video, you know, like it, it wasn't horrific to look at, um, you know, compared to VHS or whatever. So I feel like um, I was right in that transition from when, like my first video class, we had um, to shuttle between tapes. Like if you can imagine, like one tape is a player and one tape is a recorder and you literally press record on one of the tape decks and you, that's how you edit. Like you play through the video and press record and then you stop hitting record and then you like shuttle to the next video part. So it was very like time consuming and also like, and so my second video class was this, this like digital class where suddenly we were capturing this video that we shot on mini DV and then we had it on this timeline and you could duplicate video without having to shuttle through it again, you know? You could just like copy and paste it. And so I feel like I was in this school at this very strange moment where all of these technologies were kind of coming through. And I was also taking this class in um, 3D modeling and animation with what was then called Silicon Graphics Computers, like. SGI and 
the software was called Alias Wavefront, which now is like basically what Maya is, um, which is a 3D computer animation program. And so I've always been, I feel like my education was like in the midst of this like everything kind of like hodgepodge, you know? And so I've never felt um, tied to one thing or another, or I've never felt that one thing was my language because I was immediately immersed in all these different ones. And so, and I like different ones for different reasons. And I think if you have a, you know, if, if you're thinking about things in terms of the form and the concept, you know, which is like how artists think about things like that somehow the, the final, the machine that you use should have some bearing on the idea that you have or the way that you make something has some bearing on your idea, you know, or vice versa, then I feel like you have to, um, you know, I'm lucky, I guess. <laughs> I'm lucky that I can just go from one thing to another, but I'm unlucky, like in terms of my career, I think it's actually been difficult, you know, because people know me for one thing or they know me for another and they don't ever connect the two, you know. So, um, so when you're starting something and, you know, like the, the most recent VR projects, this maybe has a more obvious answer, but for, for a film, let's say, or a single channel, you know, uh, linear experience, um, mm -hmm. do you have the con, do you have like, uh, you have content and then you're like, oh, obviously I have to shoot this one on film. Or is it like how do you how do you work that out? Is it more intuitive, or is it does it have to do with resources, or like, um, and that may be different for you. Yeah. But. Well, I think with um, so I don't. What did you guys watch actually? Like um, the films. Uh, you gave us, and I watched. Um, Take it down, Framelines, Amarillo, Ramp, and I have always been a dreamer. Okay. I'm assuming not everyone watched everything because that's a lot. <laughs> but I think, you know, Dreamer is, um, it's kind of like an essay film, you know? And I guess I was thinking about it when you're shooting landscapes. Um, I, I think they're more interesting to shoot on film because the film um, has a grain to it that means that the images are always kind of flickering in a way that video doesn't have. And so if you shoot something that's like mostly still in video, it's going to seem really still. And the film is always kind of moving because it's moving through the shutter at least, you know? And so for, for landscape shots, I think film is great because um, even still buildings appear to, to have some kind of um, movement. Um, and you know, so that, that's the other thing is like, I, I had a, a professor who was, um, there was in, the, in New England and in uh, uh, the 70s and 80s, there was this whole idea of like cinema verite where it was like a man with a movie camera and just like, documenting and there were all these professors at MIT and at Harvard and my professor came from that. So he was very, you know, adamant about a certain kind of filmmaking. And so the essay films I do are very influenced by that kind of making, which is like one person with a camera interviewing people one-on-one um, -on -one and not having a huge production crew, but kind of letting things kind of, you know, evolve um, based on, you know, like something more naturalistic, I guess, is what I would say. So, so yeah, I mean, it's not just, you know, arbitrary things happen. I wish it was more organized than that, but um, I, sometimes I just get excited about something, you know, like I'm just working with something 
like frame lines. You, if you guys watch frame lines, I mean, that was kind of an arbitrary thing. We got this laser cutter in my department. I teach and uh, nobody was using it. So I had like full reign of it. And I just realized that you could put a piece of film and have the film be etched away by the machine. And so that was just kind of like, whoa, this is really cool. I've never seen this before. I'm gonna like take advantage of this, you know? Um, I think things happen in life sometimes. You just end up in a place and people give you stuff and you, you know, you, you if you're creative, you're, you're gonna think of things to do with it. I mean, there's all kinds of things like that, you know? I wish, I mean, yeah. I think I think that's always good to hear. Um, <laughs> seriously, uh, there's I, I feel like the mythology of art and artists. Um, you know, there's different mythologies, obviously, but like the kind of the the big one is like the the burning idea that like oh I've got something I need to say and and I'm gonna make it happen and. Um, so what you just said about like, oh, an opportunity arises or like a tool is available um, and I'm gonna do something with that, um, I think is absolutely equally valid, but like less sometimes, like it doesn't play into that same kind mm -hmm. of genius artists inspired by divine intervention or whatever. Yeah. I have a real problem with that, you know. I also have a problem with like the idea of artists just doing one thing for the rest of their lives or like having one style. Um, I just, I think there's so many more possibilities in life, you know. Can you say, is there, there may or may not be, but I would be curious if you want to elaborate on that. Cause you said before too, that like it's maybe hurt you in your career <laughs> to not be more like doing one thing over and yeah. over again? Well, I think if you're a curator, you know, you're like, I need this kind of artist. And if an artist has one identity, then it's much easier to just be like, this person makes work about like femininity in, you know, by using cardboard, you know? And it's just like so much easier to think of them as like fulfilling some curatorial premise, you know? Whilst if you don't know what the person's gonna do or how, you know, how they're gonna, you know, find a solution, then I think it's harder, you know, like it's like anything else, like you need a brand, right? And so if your brand is, is not clear, if your brand is, um, uh, you know, more than one thing, then I think it's just harder. I mean, I don't, you know, or maybe it's just not as simple a brand, you know, uh, or maybe, you know, people haven't figured out what the brand is or something, but I, I mean, yeah, I just think. I, to, to be clear, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I'm not like challenging that idea at all. I just think it's worth, yeah. worth talking about for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's like a an efficiency or something to like, you know, for 20 years I made, you know, the same a type of film that can be easily identified as mine or like, I mean, even yeah. even among painters or sculptors or something, it's like ah, Brancusi, got it, you know. Yeah. Even though who knows? I mean, those artists who are very famous for a specific thing that doesn't necessarily mean that that is all that they were making. It's just, those are, yeah. those are the, the ones that people are. Yeah. And once you get famous for something, there's a lot of pressure for you to just keep making that thing, you know, and it's harder to, to say, you know, I mean, there's pressure, financial pressure and your gallerist or whatever will kind of expect you to, if you change your style, then the contract might be void, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. So, and even among the four films you gave us, which are all on film, I think, um, 
like I was, I definitely noted that there was a really wide range of approaches to the medium and, and styles and, and kind of genres within yeah. the films. Um, yeah. Do you, I'm, and I kind of want to, I don't know if we'll get to like each one individually, but, um, but uh, I, I definitely want to spend some time like discussing specific films. Um, and I don't know, it made sense to me to start with Take It Down. I don't know if that is the, it seemed like it was the most recent. Yeah. If I'm wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the one that I think is, you're kind of sending out or touring with, or you were touring with before everything shut down. Um, <laughs> temporarily until things get started up again. Yeah. Um, and I was, I mean, I have a bunch of questions about it, but, um, but I, I was, so that, um, that idea of genre, I thought it was like, um, mm-hmm. I was very intrigued by that approach to like the protest genre, because I feel like that is a genre and like, maybe it always was, but uh-huh. now more than ever, like, you know, there's a protest and people are filming it and then they're taking that footage and cutting it into a montage of protest or whatever. So I'm curious how you, how you approach that. And, mm-hmm. and we're, we're like, okay, like this, like, let's do this a different way or, or how you decided to, to mm-hmm. go with the approach that you did to that event and then subject. So I'm just curious, how many people watch the film? Like, Okay, so I, I'm actually interested in what you guys have to say too, like if you had any questions, but I um, and it's not to say that, I, Kevin, I'm not interested oh. in your question. It's just, I'm always curious how people apprehend it because it's, it's actually not like a film that people universally like. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm interested in hearing like, especially younger people, what they think about it. Um, and uh so to answer your question, the, the film was actually supposed to be this, I was working on this, some, this feature film about North Carolina. And I was thinking about, because I was living in North Carolina, I was kind of thinking about it as this essay film about North Carolina. So I did all this research on like, what makes North Carolina different from other states? You know, what makes North Carolina like a southern state but not a southern state i mean i was interested in parsing that out because it's 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 slightly different than other states and leave me i didn't know the difference between north and south carolina before i moved here um when i interviewed for my job they were like have you ever been to north carolina before and i was like oh i've been to charleston and they're like that's south carolina so i (laughs) was like I screwed up that. I was like, what is this? I don't even know where I am. But They, they heard um, you anyway, even after a gap. Yeah, I guess the standards must have been very low. <laughs> but uh, um, I guess, you know, I, I've lived here now for like over six years. And, um, and so I learned a lot. I did a lot of research on North Carolina, whatever. But I was thinking also at the time, I was, you know, the, in the documentary world, there's this real question now about who gets to tell what story, you know? And I was like, I'm a white woman. What story do I get to tell, you know, in this Southern state? I'm not even from the South, you know? And so I decided like the only thing I could really film was like whiteness I don't know if people <laughs> like the Midwest worry about these things, but like here in the South, it's a real issue, you know, race issues are a real issue. So I was thinking about like North Carolina and like, what is whiteness in North Carolina? So like, you know, there were all these sites, um, you know, for uh, one, one site, for example, is um, they shot part of um, Hunger Games in this town uh, in North Carolina, and also, um, uh, I'm probably off topic right now, but it's good. What's that? What's that? Mayberry, you know, is in North Carolina, like the fictional town of Mayberry. Andy Griffith's show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So like Mayberry is actually in North Carolina and you can visit it and it has, you know, every year they have this. So, you know, those to me were like these ideas of like whiteness, you know? And, um, and so one of the things that I was interested in, in doing was documenting these, uh, the Confederate Memorial Day. And so I went to all of these Confederate Memorial Days at all these Confederate memorials. So I had shot all this stuff like over the course of a year. And, and then when the memorial on the University of North Carolina campus, and this is like, this was big news. I mean, it was national news. The New York Times had it on their cover, you know, like the, there was like NPR articles. And I mean, the, the Confederate monument on the North Carolina campus is like, was a big story. And so that happened a year after I had shot all this stuff. And, you know, I literally shot that um, Memorial Day event with the North Carolina Confederate Memorial the previous year. And then all of a sudden there was all this hubbub about the memorial and the students, like this amazing event where they took it down. And so it just kind of fit into something I was already working on, you know? And instead of like, I just, it, it was important enough to me to like get something out there in time during this moment that it was important that like people around here were protesting about it. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to wait until I finished a feature film to get the piece out because it seemed like it could be used as like a, uh, I don't know. It's not actually a propaganda. I mean, it's a problematic film, you know? <laughs> like I had, the first person I showed it to basically told me it just give, gave her a stomach ache and she couldn't watch more than like three minutes of it. So, you know, that was my first critique. Well, it's intense. I mean, it's absolutely an intense experience. Um, yeah, I don't, so, you know, I kind of lead the conversation, um, but I... I usually say at the beginning of these that anybody can speak up at any time. And, um, and yeah, yeah. I'm as equally curious about <laughs> the reactions. Yeah. I mean, I guess my first question is like, have you heard about this issue on college campuses? Like, you know, this issue of like Confederate memorials or Confederate named or KKK named buildings or things like that. And like, what is your, what was your thought when you first saw the images of the, these Confederate memorial events, like in the South? Were you aware of them? Did you know that these things were happening? Like, those are kind of my questions. I mean, did you find the flickering to be like, just off-putting? Did it alienate um, I'm, I'm, you from the issues? Sorry, I'm good with it's, it's okay. awkward pause. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah, and I don't mind a, a good awkward pause either. Um, I, so something that might work is um, I will keep responding to you, but um, okay. please type into the chat any okay. thoughts or if you... Okay, I didn't know there was a chat. Okay. Yeah, well, was, anyway, so those were... Um, so I just, in answer to several of your questions. Um, it's totally, it, it is absolutely going on in Minnesota. There's, there's, there's like a active conversation about renaming several of the buildings on campus, including Kaufman Memorial Union, which is kind of like the big student union hub mm -hmm. at the center okay. of, of campuses. I don't okay. know who Kaufman was, but apparently not a great so they're they're doing what they can to yeah adjust that um yeah I mean it's an interesting subject you know this um I mean on some level you know I've been interested in that kind of thing for a while it's like the rehistorization of things like rewriting history re you know there's been a lot of that in eastern Europe so um 
like Lenin statues and things like that that are moved to, you know, these graveyards outside of town. And um, I just think it's, I think memorials in general are kind of interesting. I, um, it, it was impactful. I, I feel like, like it was a strong choice to give all that time to give like the first half of the movie to the, to the memorializers. And, um, and, you know, and I wasn't, I didn't feel like, Oh, this is so offensive to me, you know, like, like how dare she, but, um, but just kind of like hearing them out seemed like a somewhat radical choice to me to, to be like, let's, Uh let's let them talk. And, you know, um, and, and not, and I I thought it was defensible on like ethical grounds of like here they are they're doing this like let's you know document let's it. see what it is that's going on here yeah I think I think it's interesting too because um, well to me I mean I guess part of it too is that because I'm not from the South and I'm not even American like I became American. So all of this is kind of like, I feel like I'm also kind of so, it's almost like curious, you know? Like it's just, to me, it was just a crazy, it was just like, it's like a subculture or maybe, you know, like I didn't feel like the people had any real, it's funny because at the time I didn't feel like, I mean, What's interesting to me about it is the sort of like ritualization of everything and the mildness of it and the sort of politeness of it, you know, and, and the difference between that and like the protest, which is so like much passion and like chaos and anger and, and the, the energies were completely opposite. Right. And I and I I think that's kind of interesting because, you know, um, like emotions can sometimes be uh, people who are emotional, people who are passionate can sometimes be undermined, you know. And so it's interesting to me that like, um, you know, this this thing that is tied to you know this intense racism is like ritualized and and kind of calm you know um and doesn't feel violent you know it feels like familial i mean and also i just feel like this is an environment where i can walk into and i don't stick out like a sore thumb you know like they felt very comfortable talking to me about all these things and I think partly is because I was a woman and partly is because I was white and young, you know, like I was able to enter their world and they knew I wasn't from the town because everybody that's there is from the town, you know? Huh. So I like, I'm definitely a stranger in that environment. They want to know why I'm there, but they're not like, I, it, it wasn't, um, I wasn't, uh, I I wasn't threatening to them, you know. And it sounds like too, and I feel like this is like a documentary impulse. Like it sounded like you were genuinely curious, you know, like (laughs) you showed up with a camera and you were like, tell me about this. Like, not in a like uh, disingenuous way necessarily, just like, hey, I'm curious. What are you doing? Like, yeah, I think that people loved, you know, in my documentary experience, it's like, that's yeah. amazing to have somebody show up and be like genuinely curious about what you're. Yeah. So I'll say that the first year that I did it, it wasn't as much an issue, but then when I did it the next year, when it was in the news, then one of the places that I visited, what was the second year and they were no longer publicizing their events online and they you know, so it was actually harder to find out where they were and they were kind of like doing it in private or whatever. That was harder for me. Um, They were much more like anxious about me being there. Mm -hmm. 
because it's they're good. yeah it's anyway. good that you got that material <laughs> when you did you know before <laughs> was up like, like yeah i'm that well um yeah. i'm curious so in terms of process um about the solarization and just like was that always the plan or did that was that a stroke of you know oh yeah inspiration or or how did that aspect of of the film mm -hmm. become part of the film well after i i shot that stuff i shot it on 16 and i had it transferred um so i had all the the film footage transferred to video i just felt like I couldn't leave it as is it had to be filtered in some way. And I was thinking about the, the positive and negative of film, like a film strip, you know, has a positive and you can make a print and, you know, it has a negative and a positive, just like um, any analog film does. And, and so then I thought of that as like the binary that I was working with, like these two sides of an issue and then like the positive and then the negative and just these two things kind of working against each other to create this image. Um, and so solarization is kind of like when you try to make the positive a little more like a negative, hmm. you know, because you're, you're, you're exposing the, the parts of the film that are, um, you're exposing them to light the parts of the film that are supposed to be dark. So it's almost like a way to kind of connect the two sides. Um, so that's kind of how I thought about it. Like I just wanted there to be some kind of filter so that when you were looking at the footage, you didn't feel like this is unprocessed, this is unfiltered, this is not someone's viewpoint, this is like a totally made up situation, you know? And so the images have to be filtered to, to show that. And then um, the positive and negative was this interesting way to talk about these two sides to an issue. Um, I, I was, I was in interested in it on a number of levels, I feel like. Um, and one of them was just that like, it, it was a way, it seemed to me like a way to alter that footage that was kind of in some ways non-destructive. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to scratch this up. You know, it wasn't expressing yeah. a point of view like that, but it just totally kind of um, blows it up. Like it's, it's, it's a non-destructive explosion of color or something. Like, like yeah. that's, it's not aggressively damaging the images of those people or something, but yeah. it, it's making it kind of impossible to... Um, yeah to treat as as a as a pure document or whatever like uh yeah like. that's an interesting point of course like when I was doing it I had no idea that it wouldn't be destructive you know because like I didn't know how it would end up um but like it was a total experiment you know so we've with the with the small amount of Super 8 footage that we were able to shoot before we got kicked out of the building, uh -huh. um, we did have some solarization happen. Oh, cool. The, yeah. You know, just kind of randomly to, to some of the footage. Um, and that's, and we talked about it. I mean, this is months ago now, but so that's everyone like where the film like sticks to, to itself. So like some of it doesn't get processed and then it does get processed in the second bath et cetera, et cetera. But so like, how did you, if, if I may ask you a technical question, like how did you <laughs> go about making that happen on purpose um, and in such like a regular way? Okay, so this is like, in some ways like, okay, so how does the, the food get cooked? Well, what, yeah, is the what, what, what is the recipe? What is the recipe? You know, like it's very technical. Well, yeah. well, like okay. So yeah, however you wanna. You're you're a teacher. Okay. You know how to. Well, I'm not good at this. I'm not okay. good. I would probably over. I would probably not delve into this. But 
since you're asking me, I will, but um, so it's going to sound like a totally ridiculous idea, but I shot the thing on 16. I had it transferred to video. Then I used, um, I shot, I, I used a video. I, in video, I did this thing where I inverted the images every other frame. Do wow. you, you know how it's like, so you had to it, like, cut it, every frame po positive and negative positive and negative i did that digitally then i shot that on a 4k monitor with an oxberry on 35 millimeter film <laughs> then that negative was printed so the actual the print the print stock is what was solarized not the negative because if you because you can't solarize negative color film it you would have to go too fast like it's like really hard to to um does that make sense <laughs> like like the 35 so the way that they solarize the 35 is actually done in a lab in toronto called niagara is they put like this little flashlight in the the machine and did did a test on the print because the print is not as um, you know it takes longer to uh, solarize a print than to solarize a negative and so they, they it was too hard to control the look of solarizing the negative so they solarize the print and then the print is what is what you see in the film okay but so the the negative and positive frames like that yeah. is a that was digital mm -hmm. editing yeah and actually to transfer it from the 4k monitor to the film which is a ridiculous idea to take something digital and transfer it to film um was done like frame by frame so i would advance the video one frame click one frame click one frame click so it's kind of the whole thing is kind of animated and shot with a 35 millimeter Oxford. camera that can do single frame. <laughs> wow. Wow. It was an extremely expensive movie to make. Let me just say <laughs> like, if you want to throw money out the window, make a film like that, that nobody will want to see that people don't even like. And on top of that, or half the people don't like, and then on top of that, you just threw thousands of dollars. Can you, is there anything more to say um about the reception of the film so like i'm i'm surprised like <laughs> i mean i don't know maybe i'm a just a naturally pretty generous <laughs> audience member but like like how so how was it greeted like what what no i mean i got an award you know but it's like i said like it's either people are like super positive about it or just like not like it at all like there's no in between you know what i mean that's what I mean, I guess. It's like, but anytime you make anything that looks like that, you're not going to have like a mainstream audience anyway. So, uh -huh. you know, I mean, you know, you're just throwing money out the window. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but it's just reality. Are you still pursuing that feature at all? Or is that, does this satisfy the, the does this scratch the itch that yeah. you're making the feature for? I'm not working on the feature anymore, but I think I, 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 I'm on a break from it, but I don't know that it'll be, I don't know. I've been thinking about it again. Mm. It's just, it's just, uh, I mean, I don't know how you work, you know, but I like doing something for a while and then I want to do something totally different and then I want to do something totally different. And then sometimes I want to go back and, like, I just feel like I can't, like, I really enjoy um, being able to do, you know, I, I, I just, I guess I'm just a curious person. I enjoy lots of different things. I like a lot of different ideas. And, and so, yeah. I personally, I never get tired of hearing about film projects that like start out as one thing and then turn into something completely different that that's just <laughs> always interesting to me. Yeah. And I think part of it is 
you know, the idea of experimental film or kind of trying to define it or trying to kind of get a sense of what it is and talk about it. Um, one, one of the parameters that feels very much of the experimental category is this idea that you can start something and not know how it's, where it's going to go, like mm -hmm. versus more kind of mainstream narrative film where like, if you don't know how it's supposed to turn out, you're really in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's great to, it's always great to hear about like, Oh yeah, it was going to be this. And then it totally turned into this other thing. And, and, um, yeah. Well, with documentary too, I mean, um, so I made the dreamer film, but I also made this other feature with Bill Brown called speculation nation, which was a couple of years ago, um, about the Spanish fi financial crisis in Spain. And a lot of these films, like if you have a film that's like about a specific issue, then timing becomes like insanely important. <laughs> and, and that, you know, I didn't realize that when I started making films, like when I made that Detroit film, you know, they came out with that, like literally when my film came out, this film about Detroit came out by, uh, is it Catherine Bigelow made that film? It was oh, yeah. called like called Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> yeah. It was called Detroit, you know? And, uh, I mean, you're laughing, you know, but it was like, People were really grumpy about that film. Um, and of course, like, I didn't plan it that way, you know? I mean, so, you know, I don't, I mean, my film did very well. I'm very happy about it. But sometimes I wonder if it had come out a year before Detroit, if it would have done better, you know? And so I think time, you know, timing starts to become an issue and uh and speculation nation about the financial crisis in spain was the same thing like there's an audience for that for a period of time and if you finish your film too late you might miss you know um or if you finish you know if you make your film before i mean it's like you know you always try you, you, like documentary unfortunately even if it's an essay film if you're doing something that's topic, that's based on a news topic, then timing of when the film comes out becomes an issue. And so you end up like thinking about editing, you know, quickly and it's weird. It's like a really weird way of making stuff. I feel like there are definitely a lot of documentaries that don't age well necessarily. Um, <laughs> Or that are, or that just become un, unintentionally, they become a portrait of like this very specific moment in time. Like I, yeah. I was teaching a documentary class and um, students were, you know, doing presentations on films and uh, somebody showed Supersize Me. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a specific like style and aesthetic and I don't know, like it just felt incredibly like, 2002 to me or whenever that was like um more yeah. about the moment than about the what it was supposed to be about or something yeah that's and interesting I, yeah and I don't I didn't get that sense watching I have always been a dreamer honestly like it felt yeah it felt like it had enduring you know thematically like it wasn't it wasn't anything that's going away anytime soon yeah um, but, you know, some of the places that are, I mean, that's what's interesting, too, is, like, when you're sh shooting in a place like Detroit, it's, like, you shoot a building, and you think, this building's been there for 80 years, you know, and then, you know, 10 years later, it's gone, and so there's lots of places in the film that don't exist anymore, and at the time that I was shooting, it never occurred to me that they would go away you know, or that they would be renovated or that they would, I mean, in a way, like we think the landscape is like this, this, we think the built landscape is more, you know, permanent than it actually is. And, and, it, and then, 
and then documentary just seems so much more interesting to me, you know, because it's like, wow, like, I mean, just like you said, like a capsule of time, you know, when a city was the way it is, you know, and that it never will, like, even though next year you might walk down the same street and it looks the same, like, you won't know the day that everything disappears and it changes completely, you know? Like, I grew up in New York and, like, half of the city doesn't look anything like what I grew up in, you know? Like, I grew up in a city that's very different from the city that it is now. And now with coronavirus, like, large swaths of our landscape will change, you know? Businesses are closing, you know, and in Detroit, it was this type of thing where like casinos were being built and, and like buildings that had been there for 200 years were just like destroyed, you know, to make way for a parking lot or whatever. Um, we, we have a, a... I see a question. Paragraph of a question here, and I think we should... Actually, maybe I should read it. Just Yeah, that's a good question. I'll read it out loud. Okay. Uh, from Jolie. Uh, a lot of filmmakers have mentioned feeling pressure to make a certain type of film and always be making politically charged art. Do you feel this pressure? Do you feel restricted on the art you feel like you're making in any way? Do you feel like you have full creative freedom on the films you make and carrying out your vision? Um, I'm curious about this. It seems like a lot of filmmakers have negative advice about becoming a filmmaker in the industry today. Do you agree or disagree with these views? Hmm. I mean, I'm actually curious to hear that they feel pressure to make a certain type of film. Um, I mean, it's not that, I guess, not so much pressure to make a certain type of film, but I think making politically charged art, I think is a real pressure. I think there's grants for political, you know, political issues. And especially if you're working on social issues, economic issues, political issues, like those are the things that um, the government gives you grants for, right? Because they want to, it's not enough that you're making a film. Like it also has to like somehow be good for climate change or alleviate poverty, you know, like, somehow your your film has to be tied to a social issue or like some kind of like educational um, premise. So I do think that that's, you know, that's, that's definitely um, something that happens, uh, especially with documentary, it seems like because there's, there is, there's actually money for documentary, but it always has to be tied to some kind of social issue. And I, and I feel like, you know, it's, it's to the detriment of the art form, actually. And I think that countries that have funding for the arts that's not tied to some sort of education or social issue have more interesting films because the films are not limited to some kind of didactic like propaganda. Um, however, when you say, when you talk about the industry, the industry, I think something very different. Like, like I guess when I think of the film industry, I think more about narrative films, you know? And I don't think those have the same, those are more about entertainment and, you know, oftentimes like don't have the same, uh, pressure yeah that seem, i mean i don't know if that's well, <laughs> answering the question <laughs> i think well as, as far as um and you know carly i'm not trying to like settle this or anything like like i think it is absolutely an ongoing conversation um but the the negative advice about becoming a filmmaker like i think that um there's always room to be on I like, like, I don't know if it's a personality thing and, and Sabine, you said this kind of at the beginning of our conversation, but it, it's like, um, there is this, I feel like there's a sense that is maybe not all artists, but many of things being not ideal. Like, like if, if, if one were, if one had a personality that was like, yeah, things are great. And I feel really 
satisfied and fulfilled, like that would maybe undercut the necessity of making art or the desire to be a filmmaker. I don't know. Like, I think I'm, that's more of a question than an answer, but um, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if it's the type of people who are choosing to make art or the motivation to go out and do it that requires some kind of dissatisfaction with the world. Um, something's missing. Something needs to be yeah. said that's not being said. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling at this point, but Sabine. No, I, I like that. I like that. I mean, you know, I used to, I didn't ever ask myself that though. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was younger and I was in college or whatever, I was interested in art and I never asked myself, do I have something to say that other people aren't going to say? Like that was not a question that I asked myself. Is that weird? I mean, I feel like my question was more, like I didn't really have a question. <laughs> you know, I was just more interested in making things. Like I was just a creative person. Did you consider doing something else or was it always clear to you that, that you would wind up being an artist? No, I, that's a good question. I mean, I was good at math, so it was kind of weird. Like I chose art for... I think, you know, I, to me, it's like a curiosity about the world, you know, like for me, art is like, it's not just about, it's also about like, I think it's, it's the best impulse where you just want to learn something or you're interested in lots of different things that are outside of yourself, you know, and you want to learn about them and you want to like explore them. You, you know, and, and it's a way of experiencing the world. It's kind of like being on drugs. It's like, it's like, you know, you're just gonna see something a different way and it's gonna make your life just like so much more pleasurable, you know, mm -hmm. without having to like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, it's like, I don't need to pay for it. I'm just like innately interested in it. And so like my life is like a hundred times better because I'm excited about all these different things just by looking at them, you know? And I don't, you know, so for me, like, it's just the biggest gift of all. Like, I don't know. That's kind of how I explain it. Like, I just feel like when you're a filmmaker, what's awesome about it is you get to like meet people you would never meet. You get to listen to their stories and be in environments you never would be, you know? And so it's just like, it's like, how would I ever have had conversations with these Confederate guys, you know? Like we talked about ghosts, like a lot of them were, like, you know, some of them were into ghost hunting. Like, you know what I mean? It's not that I like these people, but I mean, if you're interested in like other ways of thinking and other ways of being and like meeting people who are so different from you, it's just such a great way to experience the world. It gives you like a passport into places you would never go to otherwise. Um, I feel like there's a, like a thread there that has come up in several different ways that, that has to do with, um, with a kind of a orientation towards the world or like a mindset of approaching things um, and, and actually approaching the idea of approaching things. So, and even, you know, at the very beginning of this conversation, when you said, you know, like you got this like um, motion capture suit <laughs> and like there's no one in these in these libraries of motions like doing household tasks. It's like it would be, you know, one way. To, so you, if one notices that, right, there's like, oh, this is all about fighting and swords and none of it is about domestic things. Like you could be like, like, oh, that's terrible. You know, <laughs> fuck these people. It's so gendered and terrible and like, and it's constrictive of a certain way of being. Um, but an alternate way to approach that is like, well, I get to make those. Like nobody's doing that <laughs> and so I will do it. Or, you know, with Take It Down, like, you know, I wow. think one response is to just kind of not want to be anywhere near what's what's going on. And another is that, Mm -hmm. willingness to approach and it's not always pleasant and it doesn't always go well but it's like well I'm willing to approach these people and try to talk to them or or 
something I don't know so that's yeah. that's that's something that I'm hearing that is like a thread and I don't know if, if that fits for you or or you have a, a no I agree I mean I think I think it's also this idea of like not having a predetermined idea about things you know especially if you're working in documentary I mean if you walk into a situation with an idea in mind about how you're going to represent people then that can be really problematic you know because you're not letting the moment like actually have any, you know, make any change in the way that you perceive things. So if, if the events that you see aren't changing you, how can they change the audience, you know? Um, and I think like, I mean, there's this question here about, uh, I just want to respond to this person who said they had a very strong reaction to take it down because they're not from the South. It's difficult to understand why Southerners embrace their own the civil war and racism in general. And I think um, uh, it's a really good point and I totally like understand that viewpoint. Um, and, but, it, but you know, one of the things that makes you understand people's behavior is to understand where they're coming from or like what their experiences are. And I think like with the South, I mean, one of the things about the South is it's always been the poorest part of the country and it's never had unions, you know? So like people in the South are used to working with very low wages um, compared to like people in the North that were unionized and had industrial jobs. So the South always were really poor people with like very low wages. Um, and and not educated. And so I think there's like a sense, I think there's a sense that Southerners have that they're like, like lowlier, you know? Does that make sense? Like they're just like lowlier than Northerners. And I think that they take that very like, I don't know, it's, I'm not saying it's, there's any like, but I think it feeds into this anger, you know? that they have towards like the North and, you know, slavery, even though it was in the South, lots of Northern people benefited from slavery by investing in it, you know? So, um, so, I mean, obviously slavery is horrible, but, um, but it was the, 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 the country, you know, benefited hugely from the slave trade. And so, um, and the South, you know, got wealthier because of the slave trade. And I'm not saying there's any good reason to do it, but it's important to kind of understand like the history there, I think, that kind of creates like these animosities, you know, and, 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 um, and I don't know, like, it's like, I, you know, I read Breitbart now because for me, like when Trump was elected, sorry, I'm bringing politics in it, but it was just like such a, like, it just like blew my mind so much. Like it changed my whole life. And I felt like I had to like understand it, you know? And so I don't know, like, I just feel like my input, like my reaction is not to just like shut out, but to try to like understand where people are coming from. I think there's something, you know, you asked early in this conversation about, you said something when we were started talking about Take It Down about whether it was an issue here, right? Like, <laughs> um, and I think that, 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 what I want to say about that is like, it's striking to see those monuments because we kind of don't have them here. Like, yeah. I don't think we have any Confederate, you know, generals, like uh, statues of them around, but, but it's really, it's an important <laughs> distinction. It seems like that, like, it doesn't mean that racism isn't an issue or happening in Minnesota. Yeah. Like, like I, you know, it absolutely is. It absolutely is an issue, but it's not necessarily quite as, you know, it's not staring down at us from a huge pedestal in the center of our campus. 
Yeah. Um, and so, so to me, part of, of what you're saying gets back to this idea of, um, of w- the visible, you know, like, like pushing it away and kind of not looking at it doesn't solve anything necessarily. And, you know, that is it's very Minnesotan to like, to just not <laughs> want to look at it or whatever. Um, uh-huh. I say as a, as a native Minnesotan. Um, mm-hmm. And so the making visible of these things or the, the kind of willingness to, you know, put it in a movie and, and kind of process it through art um, in a visible and, and kind of graspable way, I think is a really important impulse. Um, that's, it's easy to want to not do it, speaking for myself, and then, and then yeah. having somebody say, let's, you know, let's look at this, let's talk about this, let's do this, um, I think is, is really important. To, to see yeah yeah so. I mean it, it's hard you know I, I you know whatever I mean it's not it, yeah I mean I don't you know I agree with what you just said I will let you go for real now yeah um, okay thank you Sabine yeah uh, bye guys thanks for joining <laughs> see you night. soon good night everybody If you'd like to support this podcast and the artists that we feature, please subscribe at patreon.com backslash cellular cinema. All proceeds from subscriptions go to the guest artists. Thank you very much.